Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I am a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. You can find me online through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy, as I have offices physically in both locations. I do phone, Skype, and FaceTime sessions with clients worldwide. So reach out to me there if you are interested in booking a session or inquiring about being a guest on this show. And you can find archived episode, episodes of this show on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. Um, I'm going to introduce my guest in a moment. I just wanted to give a little plug for next week on Tuesday, February 21st from 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I am going to be a guest on Living Consciously TV. It's a program talking about uh, various topics related to health and well-being and the show that I'm doing with the host is going to be on psychology, psychotherapy and spirituality. So the website to find that show is consciousevolutionmedia.com. There will be a link on my uh, Facebook, professional Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. So I'm excited to bring my guest on because she has been a frequent guest on this show talking typically about astrology, about frequency, about medical intuition, mediumship. She is a clairvoyant artist, among the other things I just listed. And today we both felt like doing something a bit different, hopefully bringing some laughter to you, our listeners, and and a different take on words. We are going to speak today on linguistic subtleties and specific relationship to words that are considered taboo, in air quotes, in our culture, curse words, like the word fuck, like the word bitch. We're going to talk about their origins. We're going to talk about uh, a little bit of neuroscience to this whole shebang of verbiage. So welcome, Amadeus. I'm so happy to have you back on. Hi, thank you for having me and for having uh, this interesting subject that we're going to talk about. I know. I'm really grateful that you had this idea a few months ago. So I'm excited to kind of jump in with, you know, your thoughts and and my thoughts on, on this topic. Can you hear me all right? I want to know, first of all. Yes, um, I can hear you. Yes, you were great. Fucking amazing cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I am too. That everyone that knows me uh, probably does bring up a so-called swear word when they think of my cell phone. So hopefully you can hear me all right. Yes, it is working okay. today. Um. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a complete delight to be on the show. I was absolutely thrilled when I um, was speaking with you uh, privately about communication, about astrology and communication, because I feel that astrology is a wonderful tool to get people to um, bridge differences, you know, and to understand how we all have a different style of communication. And within that conversation, I brought up, I'm sure, my favorite word, which is the word fuck, which seems to be a word that brings up many different viewpoints, many different ideas of uh, And many feelings. With many feelings, yeah, and judgments, <laughs> and judgments. <laughs> so, I um, 
Uh, first of all, I was going to say that today, you know, I did want to take this slightly different spin and talk about so-called bad words, specifically the word fuck, because um, that is my favorite word. Okay. And I'll throw in some astrology at the end for good measure. But of course. What, what brought this up for me was that I, I am a complete word fan. You know, I'm a writer. I'm always found with a pen and a notebook, uh, still a pen and a notebook, no matter how many, um, you know, devices I have, computer devices. That's key. Um, yeah. maybe, <laughs> and maybe, just maybe I can claim the, the title wordsmith at times. I, I yeah. am a person who is fascinated with words. Um, and probably I, I'm fascinated with wordsmith because of the etymology of that, which is, you know, the idea of word plus a smith or a blacksmith or someone who crafts and metals. Yeah. You know, a person who uses hammers and tools to, you know, hammer out meaning and the meaning of things. So I, I, I relate to that because I do some blacksmithing. Mm-hmm. I've I've forged, you know, quite a few things and, and metal. So yeah, wordsmithing, I, I never compared the two because I, I so relate to the physicality of blacksmithing. But wordsmithing, that's really beautiful. But, but you do. You actually everyone should everyone listening really should check out I don't know what your website is for your art, but you're exceedingly it's talented my name, artist. Lisa dot com. Thank mm-hmm. you. People should, and, and it's true. It's actually, you, you really do understand what I'm saying, and I love the imagery of that, of using a tool to craft out of the ether meaning into something, and whether that's a word or, you know, a piece of metal. Um, I, I love the idea of it, and because of this word freakiness that I have, I'm so frequently asked what my favorite word is. Okay, cool. And, my, and decidedly, my favorite word is fuck. I've said that, known that, uh, you know, forever. And so I was thinking about that when we were thinking about the show. Why Why is fuck my favorite word? And yeah. it is funny to say that. It is a funny thing, and it does actually make me laugh. And, and it is indeed true that it is my favorite word. And I realize that, to me, it's simply one of the most beautiful words I know. It's, it's The versatility of the word fuck is what is definitely what wins my heart. You know, fuck contains an entire emotional, like you said, feeling spectrum within four letters and one syllable. It expresses pain, pleasure, frustration, disdain, direction, beauty. It augments, you know, it's a slur. It's a sexual thing. It's an act. It's about sexuality. Um, You know, I could go on and on about that. And one can literally tell an entire story using fuck almost exclusively. I, I didn't really write out a story, but literally we all can do this in our heads, you know, and you can literally have a story that, you know, uses almost entirely fuck. Fuck. Okay. I'm fucked. That fucker fucked me. Fucking with my favorite fuck. Fucked me over. That shit. I threw in another one. It's fucked yeah. up. <laughs> well, because I think or, I'm at this because the word fuck can be used as a noun, a verb, an adjective, an interjection, and an adverb. Right? So there's so many different ways to, to use the word effectively. Right. And a conjunction, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the only word, you know, if you make a list, um, you know, that can be, like you said, a verb, an intransitive verb, an action verb, passive verb, adverb, noun, interjection, conjunction, when it's paired with things, um, an enhancer, you know. So, I mean, when you have a word that that, that is that versatile, um, it's an amazing thing. <laughs> and yeah. so I've always been. I've been a proponent for the word fuck. I get in a lot of trouble for it sometimes when somebody has said, watch your language. I mean, I understand the social mores, you know, behind it. But I also I also have a little bit of a, a rebel or reformer in me. Um, you do, you greatest. do. <laughs> yes. That, that wants to reclaim the ability to use a word and think more about the intention behind it as opposed to what society says is correct or not, you know? I mean, so I, one of the things that struck me is that um, I was completely taken aback and surprised by how much this word of mine, this favorite word, um, is, con- is still considered taboo. Um, it's rarely in print, you know? Right. And when you see it, in- you can get in trouble for having it in print um, while you can go on and on and have a diatribe that is, hideous and heinous in every possible way and slanderous um you know we we see things and it still makes me laugh there are euphemisms for fuck dashes ridiculous punctuation that fills in pages where fuck should firmly be placed you know in my opinion right it's so funny 
just this morning in my inbox, I got, I, I guess I get this thing called Elephant Journal, this mindfulness, you know. Yeah, I've seen that for sure. Have you seen that? And it's yeah. a pretty cool thing. It's very interested in mindfulness and yoga and eating correctly and how to meditate when you only have a minute and how to process pain and anger and Yolati's and blah, blah, blah. And right. The, and that, the heading that came in was, fuck you, mindfulness, but with F, with the little star CK. Oh, that's interesting that that came up (laughs) today in your inbox. Wow. And for some reason, it just, it kind of made me laugh because here's this thing about mindfulness and intention and watching your talk, but but it's okay to have like this wink and a nod, you know, that's what it feels like, you know, if you put a little dash or a little dot in there, you know, it's it's actually, it's actually leading. Yeah. This journal, yeah, but they're using the power of it, right? Like they, they, they have five other articles, but they're using that to lead with. But somehow this star instead of the letter U makes this socially acceptable and printable, like it's kinder. And then I wanted to say, personally, for fuck's sake, it's a self-help thing that's about evolution. Why? Why this star? You know, why can't why can't it walk its truth? Right, the intention right. of what they were there. So, well, I'm a dance. I don't know. can I jump in with? I, I want to throw in some fun yeah. facts that I've found in my research. Please, please. So, because yeah. I love being a geek and researching things. So, you are not alone in your love <laughs> of the word fuck. In 1971, do you know that the U.S. Supreme Court decided that the public display of fuck is protected under both the First and Fourteenth Amendments and cannot be made a criminal offense? So, we are protected. Was that yeah. On the was yes. On the, was yes. Having to do with the the Vietnam War, absolutely. That's and the draft. And yeah. All the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Cohen versus California. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's just unbelievably amazing that that. Uh, and I believe that I'm sure I don't know your other facts. That one I knew a little bit about. I believe that it was actually had to, it had to go all the way to the Supreme Court. It did. <laughs> this person not incarcerated or fine. <laughs> but I think it's right? so cool. It, it really shows, you know, the power of words and that mm-hmm. a word, you know, to that to sanction words means like, you know, you're not free. So even the Supreme Court right. upholding our, you know, knowing, validating, you know, how important it is to have words at our disposal to use. Right. Right. And boy, are we up for some of that going on right now. It's sort of timely, you know, that we decided to do this. You're right. About length and how it's used and intention behind something, you know. I mean, yeah. um, I, I want to hear more facts, so I don't want to interrupt you if you were. No, that's good. That's all. I'm just going to throw them in as it okay. comes up in our dialogue. So you I'm good. Please okay. I, love, I love that one. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I was thinking about this, you know, with that, you know, the, the elephant journal thing today. And then, you know, some things I was raised with and, and really, and I'm sure, I'm sure, please chime in. Uh, you know, you're, Certainly. you're a therapist and a, a people person. Um, but, you know, so much is about context or intonation, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this is, this is what comes behind the word, you know, words become dirty by association, you know, mm-hmm. what, and, and what if we learn to associate our intention or feelings, you know, differently behind an organization of letters, you know, um, yeah, you know, I think we all know when something's meant to be an insult, you know, versus not an insult, you know. And then social mores will say things like, you know, if I said you fucker, that's worse than if I say you pecker, even if I have a vile intention behind it. You prig or you pig or you poo or even you defecator. <laughs> you know? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm a days I've never heard that. <laughs> so I was thinking about this today. So I was in an argument with my girlfriend, and I said, "You defecator!" Like, oh my god, thank you for that. That is the fucking funniest thing I've heard in recent times. You defecator. <laughs> and I, I thought, would I would that be grounds, you know, to break up? Because something that really has taken me by surprise is how much this word is so divisive in the judgments. Like you said, um, I had no idea with uh, my girlfriend that saying fuck you and in yeah. upset moment let's say not not a happy it's not a happy thing to receive but that is 
absolutely, you know, a line in the sand. I mean, I wasn't raised that that could be that. In fact, because of its versatility, I think in fact, I was raised to believe that it is somewhat more of an intelligent or gentler way to say something, even if it has power behind it. However, she thought that saying you bitch was not at all on the same line. Now, okay. where in my family, that and, and that's the worst thing you could say. And I was one. I was trying to figure out, well, why would that? You know, what's the difference in that culturally yeah. or personally? And so I was thinking about the word "bitch." Then one that I don't use and I don't like. And, and again, yeah. probably greatly due to you know the way I was raised, um, what what uh, meaning and intent was taught to me, you know, and what I heard. And, and for me, the, the, if anybody's interested out there, the, the difference for me, why calling you, tell me to fuck off, fine. You know, that's an action, that's a word, whatever, you know, a feeling. Okay. Call me a bitch, that's bad, you know, for me. Yeah, um, why know, do you I think look, that is? Well, I think it's partly, you know, we all know, and I'm saying that in the quotes, that bitch means a she-dog, a wolf. Right, a female dog. As if anybody really uses that. You know, and then after that, it's something difficult or to, you know, express displeasure, to whine, to complain, these things that are very attributed to females. And I thought about that. And mm. I thought, aha, that's what it is. It's kind of like how women weren't allowed to vote because we were considered to be hysterical or fishy, yes. right? Like it's not rational, so your feelings aren't valid, and it's precisely because you are a female. So to me, the word bitch, and I know women have reclaimed it for good reason, but it is such a slur because it's not as ecumenical. It's not as impartial. It's not as versatile. It doesn't even have underneath its definition a positive definition. You know, fuck, fucking is something that's beautiful, you know. Right. To many people, most people out. Somebody might say something is unfucking believably unfucking believably beautiful. That is like so it's awesome, beyond amazing. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like so, fuck has you know pleasure and beauty components to it, where bitch is just this negative sort of female association. So anyway, that that goes to families, and again, the intent behind words and how words and these letters, you know, that we. Smith out that you know from the ether how they gather such meaning and it it absolutely fascinates me you know when you were just speaking a moment ago even about talking about the origins of the word you know bitch being negative and based in a notion of women females being hysterical and that took me Mm -hmm. back to even the origin of of hysteria being attributed to women Mm -hmm. and it going back to you know sigmund freud actually really Mm -hmm. founded you know discovered that women that had been sexually abused had a set of traumatic reactions that at the time was called hysteria and he published it in a book and the middle and upper class really revolted you know because a lot of the perpetrators were were men in the middle and upper class and so this mm-hmm. discovery you know of hysteria which it then was just kind of a scientific term like like one would be now took on a negative mm-hmm. meaning and you know Freud recanted it and then his predecessors kind of picked it back up and you know made our modern day trauma traumatology research and now it's post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress disorder and and other things that are yeah. less laden with you know negative meaning but even that's interesting mm-hmm. like where where it comes from and what it what it becomes right and i and i do think i do think that that is a very let's say timely conversation right now about those things yeah and 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 certainly i mean you go back in the early uh you know really early 1900s late 1800s you know when the women's the suffragette movement was on and constantly you'd hear that stuff coming off the you know, Freudian uh, languaging, whether whether it was recanted or not, you know, and about yeah. women being hysterical and about it being something, you know, divinely wrong, you know, in the biology that that really just invalidated behavior. I mean, I mean, this yeah. is a common thing you talk about sometimes now. How if a woman is directive, it's called bitchy or bossy, you know? Right, but I a man is assertive. Called- for instance, I wish it was called fucky. Actually, if I could really, like <laughs> rename it, because because it goes in every direction. I mean, again, fuck is you know everybody can be a fucker, right? Well, you and know, I think it brought up something interesting too. You mentioned your family, and I know before we came on the air, you mentioned your grandparents. So I don't know what context that 
that fits in. But it, in my family growing up, my father is from Pakistan. Mother is Irish. So my mom, and right. there was lots of cursing, lots of fuck this right. and you fucking bitch. And, mm-hmm. you know, lots of mm-hmm. volatility and, and criticism in that way. So for me, using those words, you know, had a negative association to tell someone that when I'm angry because I found it to be so personally hurtful. So I right. I try to use those words just like when I'm happy. Like, and you were saying right. fuck. Like, it's so fucking amazing, unbelievable. Like, I think that word specifically, or even shit, holy shitballs, like, can have a really fun, lighthearted connotation as opposed to the the heaviness that that I experienced it, you know, growing up. So I was curious about your experience of these types of words as well. Yeah, I mean, I think probably part of my my interest and the lovingness for fuck I, I owe (laughs) <laughs> this is almost a, 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 a very disturbing double entendre. <laughs> Dark okay. comedy. I, no, I'm saying I owe to my mom. Um, I'm laughing. Um, because yeah. my mom had, my mom uh, is also a psychologist, like you are. And That's she right. Had a, she had a strong opinion about um, about words, about what's considered profane. And we, you know, she grew up in, I might have mentioned this before on the show, but, you know, she grew up at uh, Los Feliz with the Jewish, you know, but only cultural communist adjacent, I call it, <laughs> parents, you know, artists. And then she moved to the Midwest, you know, where there are different uh, more wow. different cultures around. And we were allowed to swear at an earlier age than other children. And in fact, I don't ever remember not being allowed to swear. The word swearing wasn't really even a word. In fact, I wanted to talk about how I'd like to obliterate the idea of cussing, you know, and talk more about attention. But but I'll talk about that in a second. But so, so my mom was very thoughtful with her words and she sat um, my brother and myself down very young and explained to us that there was nothing that existed that was a bad word. Words weren't okay. inherently bad. It was how you use them. And it really made such a deep impression on me because we yes. were not allowed to take a word and name call. There was no name calling. In fact, I was thinking today, no matter how much ire you know, might happen or frustration in my family, I don't recall people name calling, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. just a prick, even if it's not a swear word. So, and yet people might say shit or fuck, you know? So, yeah. So my friends came around and, um, you know, when I was little and I don't mean, you know, I was running around saying anything. I never had a problem, never got in trouble for ever using a word inappropriately in my entire life, you know, but, but I was allowed, I was allowed to responsibly, let's say, use words when, when I can handle them. And so my friends heard that, you know, of course in in school they're, they're running, you know, potty mouth crazy. And then, you know, oh, I can't say anything in front of my parents. You know, it was a big rebellious act, you know. Just string sure. together as many as many bad words as you could. But my mom sat all my friends down and explained <laughs> to them that it was the intention behind the word and it was the meaning that you were um, putting behind the word and that when you used the word against somebody, that that was bad and that's what made a word bad. But the, the words inherently weren't bad. All my friends learned about swearing, they say, from my mother. And have what a all cool. taught their children <laughs> the same thing, and I love it. And and then and, and interrupt me if I'm talking too much. But, no, go ahead. I'll jump okay. in after. Yeah. So, so that that was that was my you know family life with my mom. My dad didn't really weigh in on much of that. And okay. Then, but my mom my mom was from I said those feelings the communist Jewish adjacent you know cultural Jews artists and they did so. I remember my grandmother bitching. <laughs> those mm-hmm. that were <laughs> right. This relative or that relative or, you know, this state of, you know, the nation. And, you know, I remember hearing the word shit. I don't, I was thinking, did my grandma say fuck? I don't know. You know, but but not about people. And then I would go down to my dad's family that are the Southern Christians in San Diego, but highly Southern Christian, you know, meaning I have a grandmommy and granddaddy. And I would go from that environment, you know, where everything was talked about and the word shit was thrown around a bit and, you know, maybe ask. And then I go down two and a half hours and I, you know, was playing dominoes one time, which was already strange for me because we didn't play games really (laughs) in my family. And I went, oh God, that's a great move. And I got in trouble and my granddaddy said, we don't say that in this house. And I didn't have any understanding of what he was saying. And and, and I did it again and I got shamed and I wasn't allowed to say the G dash D word is how they said it. Uh, Ah, yeah. 
But then my granddaddy would constantly walk around. This is my memory of him going, Gersh, darn it, that Gersh, darn, darn it, darn it, darn it, Gersh, darn it. So he wanted to say it at some level. And, and and I was, you know, obviously understood he was saying, God damn it, God damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Yes. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why that was okay because in the Jewish side or whatever, I'm not calling it, the Jew, you know, Jew versus religion, just up, up north with the, uh, the artist people, um, I didn't actually hear that. I don't have any memory of them, of anybody walking around with their frustration using any words, you know, like that. So I, it felt very hypocritical to me as a child. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so you move a letter, but it feels bad. It actually feels really bad to hear granddaddy go, Griff, darn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, I think that's where I got really interested in the uh, the power of words and, and the sort of the sleight of hand that makes something socially acceptable, but the feeling still didn't feel good. And I think you're talking about something important. You mentioned a couple of times slurs. You know how how slurs feel and Mm -hmm. are negative. And, um, you -hmm. know, slurs using, you know, with certain stereotypes along with the word fuck and other words like that are damaging. As are, I think, swearing at people, swearing at children. Mm -hmm. You know, it's verbal abuse. And so that's really a different way of using those words than you know, in in other settings. And so, again, a fact that I pulled up is that a professor of cognitive science at UC San Diego, his name is Benjamin Bergen, did some research and did listeners, listening, I thought this was really cool, that swearing is pre-lingual and primary in children. Like, children are born with an innate sense to to know about swearing and he published a book actually talking about raising kids and that it's not it's only harmful to swear and use these words in front of children if they are in the context of a slur in particular Mm -hmm. racial you know negative slur or Mm -hmm. verbally abusive but otherwise Mm -hmm. that science does not show that swearing in front of kids you know when it's used in and terms of excitement and joy that that's not damaging at all scientifically or so I thought that was a, yeah, hammer to your hand and smash your hand and go shit right but that's not damaging yeah I agree with that I, I absolutely agree I get in this fight all the time <laughs> that's why um, I was interested in doing this show you know um, and I mean I, I think and, and I think that we could we could say that there's so many other words too, that that would constitute unacceptable in terms of what we call verbal abuse. It's just, you know, and things you don't say to people, which, of course, we are human and we err at times. But my little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once with, like, basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. But it, it isn't just fuck you, you know, that lands right. in that. There, there's right. context. Context is so important, you know. I was it reading is. this. I was reading a study uh yesterday uh, it was something I, I you know I wasn't going to mention it so I, I I hope that you know I didn't write down the person but it was basically the idea of like if you meet somebody and the person says your name wrong and then they keep insisting on saying your name wrong over and over and over and over and over and over you know that this now becomes an insult and it gathers traction to be a slur you know and yet there's nothing mm-hmm. inherently wrong in the name you know Chad when your name's Chris you know so yeah. how words gather things. So in the context of a family, some families may not, and this is where that hypocrisy comes up, <laughs> bugs me sometimes. You know, some families may, uh, for whatever reason, religious or whatever, um, sidestep saying shit and fuck for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but I'll throw around the most heinous uh, <laughs> um, bits of information and, you know, um, digs that are just as harmful. And I just find it so interesting how we 
how we can allow somebody to be excoriated in the press. But I also saw that somebody like in England got in trouble recently for saying uh, those fucking, you know, part of a party, you know, a political party. Right. um, They got in trouble for saying that. And however, they could have excoriated lies and all kinds of things. And it wouldn't have, you know, had the same, um, you know, brouhaha about it. Yeah, I think that highlights the fact that it's social repercussions that exist Mm -hmm. for using, you know, swear or cuss words, you know, as opposed to linguistic consequences, that it's the social Mm -hmm. construct. And I'm curious, even in your work, working with clients, Mm -hmm. you know, being that you, you know, enjoy these kind of words, like, how how do you handle that in your work? I love that question. It's so funny. I was going to tell you something about um, work in the music industry with it. Oh, cool. Let me tell you what but my clients. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question, Lisa. Good. Um, I I um, I feel like it's a feeling. It's a feeling that I know. I feel like we all have this, you know. And, and especially when you're serving in a counseling uh, capacity, you know, you're there uh, to to aid and to be of service. You know, it's mm-hmm. not about your ego or your, or your expression. <laughs> Taking right. Good way to right? say that. Yeah. So. So I believe that for, well, I know for myself, I can sense um, how I can communicate most effectively with somebody. I w- now I'm saying that I would never edit myself. Like I would never edit. I've gotten in trouble for that too. Not with clients. <laughs> Just sure. Retelling a story where somebody told me to fuck off and I'm retelling it. And then I, it's, I would never say, I've never in my entire life ever said frigging and I'm going to go off on that if I have time <laughs> or yeah. that or, you know, like I would repeat that. I would never, I would never censor that with a client that doesn't feel authentic. And it's, I don't have a problem with the word and I don't feel that, you know, that's being inappropriate to anybody's, uh, you know, more age right. because I'm it's- retelling a story. However, with some clients, and I do have, I do have a lot of very religious clients. I mean, I, I would, I would not, you know, grab into the bag of, you know, um, hey, this is kind of fucked up. What's happening with your Saturn? You know, uh, if, if yeah. I don't think that would effectively communicate, because again, I I'm in you. service. However, I would say that uh, probably about. Seventy percent of the time, yeah, the word "fuck" is going to come in somewhere because I love it. <laughs> but it's going to mm-hmm. be, but it's going to be well placed for effective communication. It's not. I'm not going to use it, to, you know, um, to gather attention. You know, not at all. Yeah. My, it's, sometimes it's an icebreaker. Seriously, with a lot of heavy stuff in a chart, you know, and you know, two hours into a reading, you know, I might say, "I get it. This really is." kind of a fucked up time for you and it's an icebreaker you know and you intuit that it's okay to say that and it does kind of lighten or soften the mood and connect Mm -hmm. it sounds to me like it allows your clients to connect to you and what's being presented to them yes that's exactly it very very astute so i use it i use it as a connector always aware that i want to speak authentically though you know because i don't think it's a service to anybody if i uh you know i'm such a chameleon that uh, you know there's no point of view of of human that they're coming. <laughs> so, it's interesting that you use it as a go on, and then I'll say. No, go ahead. You go. Uh, that you use it in one sense as a connector, like I heard you say, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll mm-hmm. you know look at this as a way of um, diagnostics. Like I I use this kind of language. Um, topic as a diagnostic tool. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is that when a first time client comes in, it's it's happened this week that, you know, mm-hmm. say uh, seven out of 10 times, eight out of 10 times, I notice a client, they're trying to articulate something about a difficult situation. And I can tell they're using every kind of word besides what they really want to say. And I'll say, you know, <laughs> it's okay to use any language in here that you want. And they'll be like, well, thank fucking God, you know, because this fucking shit is <laughs> fucked up. And then so that's one diagnostic tool where I notice their perception of me and of therapy is possibly that it needs to be very proper it needs to be you know somehow appropriate versus the client that comes in and it always kind of takes me aback in a pleasant way that the client that sits down is like fuck this fucking situation like I'm almost kind of taken (laughs) aback because they don't really care what I think or what therapy is supposed to be so it's definitely a diagnostic tool about that individual's personality and I think how they present themselves in the world you know, so I, I always find that really interesting in, in my work. Yeah, that's fascinating. 
fascinating. Yeah, you have me thinking about that. That's very fascinating. Yeah, I mean, absolutely diagnostic in terms of am I going to please? Do I have to keep up a front? Um, can I not touch touch what I really want to say versus somebody yes. who's just like I'm laying it on the line? <laughs> yes, and it's yeah. different work for those two typically personality types. Like maybe the individual that didn't feel comfortable, you know, using the words they wanted to might need some encouragement. It's okay to speak your mm-hmm. mind. Versus the person that might just sit down and let it all hang out. Maybe they need a little coaching on kind of, you know, possibly being a little more restrained or reading certain situations. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, right. I always use that as information then to, to work with them on. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's, that's uh, very, you. I'm very glad you shared that. <laughs> I'm going to think on that. Um. You know, I you you asked me about work, and we're talking about work. For some reason, I when I was um, contemplating the show, I thought about um, you know in going through the uses of specifically the word fuck, but you know a certain uh, what we call bad words, and yeah. you know they also they do and tails into what you're just saying dovetails into they do confer power at times, and I realized I was thinking when I was in the music industry. Um, mm. I mean, I still am, but you know when I was yeah. <laughs> When I was wee and I was fresh out of film school and I was all confident and about, you know, we still had baby bat, you know, my teeth, you know, I would be yeah. all these very, these very, I have to say, I don't want to make all the, all the guys this way, but a good quantity of sexist, uh, misogynistic dudes that just, you know, really weren't listening much to what I wanted to say. I was very passionate about my musical, uh, vision and you sure. know I told you how I grew up and that I was allowed to use these words and, and they're part of me and how much I love uh, language and yeah. when I'd get impressioned about a certain musical thing you know quite often you know I, I was giving my let's say my pitch of the song or how I want it to sound I, and I would say you know Korean drums are fucking amazing as a 207 you know you know okay <laughs> sound or and, and I would notice that they would sort of you know looking back sort of perk up now I didn't say fucking amazing to get any kind of, you know, um, attention. Reaction. But right. Right. But there was something about this young girl, you know, little girl in there who had, let's say, the balls, not that I thought of it that way, to speak directly and, and to use these words. And, and it's funny because I do think I was thinking about it. I've never really thought about it. I think it gave me a little bit of seniority. The yeah. confidence I had got translated better, actually, about my vision. And, and it was almost like, you know, what it's akin to, it's akin to, you know, if, if, if you're at a bar and I was the same thing and, you know, some, some guy saying, well, you know, like, take back a few Jack Daniels, you know, it shouldn't be that way. But that kind of bonding or something might have them take me as more confident and serious. I'm not, I'm not saying I approve of that, but there was something about me saying, you know, this fucking Korean drum is awesome and I want to use it. This is my vision. You know, that other shit doesn't work. And something about that, you know, it's funny you say stronger. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. You bring this particular topic up about the music industry. One of the articles I read today had to do with using the word fuck in the music industry and, Mm -hmm. and that being, you know, really acceptable, you know, and kind of the cultural norm as opposed to other industries. So it's really poignant and what you're saying. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that makes sense, although I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 um, it's fascinating that, that the power, I mean, it seems sort of silly in, in a sense, but, but a lot of people say you're a powerful person, especially if you're a young female and you swear like a sailor. Somehow that confers a certain kind of power, you know? Right. And comfortability and, with oneself. Yes, right. Like I can talk with the boys. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that's where it came from for me, but I, looking back, I can see that sort of like them perking up and a little smile on their face, like, oh, she might actually know what she's talking about. You know, <laughs> like you're speaking their language. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, I find that fascinating. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about it again on that cultural thing. Who, you know, I was another friend of mine that, uh, you know swears a lot, you know, again, I hate saying that, that I want to get rid of the word swear, but whatever, what society would call swearing a lot, which sure. I love and has a wonderful vocabulary. Um, 
I found out recently from her, and I've known her a long time, that 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 fuck you was also her line in the sand. You know, you could throw stuff mm-hmm. at her and call her what I think is the absolute worst word, and I never say, but I'll say it on the show. Cunt to me, that's the absolute worst. Right. Um, and that's okay. Fine. Do you know? That's, can, that's, can I throw in a fact? I got a fact. Ding ding yeah. ding. That the words cunt and fuck were added to Webster's dictionary in 1971. <laughs> that they, they were not in the dictionary until 71. So just throwing that yeah, in. Yeah, I would have thought fuck would have come in earlier. Um, I know, me too, um, but they did. They came in at the same time in 71. Okay, go on. Just had to throw that in. Oh, no, 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 I love it. That's great. That, that, that goes into something else I was going to say, but I was just going to say that I, so I started thinking about it culturally and, and wondering, you know, what... You know, I grew up with sort of that cultural Jewish viewpoint, and I do think that the cultural non-religious Jews, which are really their own crew, <laughs> most of us, um, are claimed to be, um, you know, swearing like drinking wasn't disallowed, you know? So we're, we're more yeah. comfortable with it. I think we embrace the word fuck a lot more than other religious groups. And um, I started realizing that many of my Facebook pals were posting these links recently. I don't know if you ever saw them. But to studies done, I mean, legit studies, that folks who swear more, you know, are more intelligent, uh, they literally say are more attractive, and are less violent. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a study, I mean, it was a Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts and some uh, Merrick's College, and that is actually swearing really pain, makes you smarter, less violent, and it is not an indicator of linguistic stupidity, laziness, or non-intelligence. It's actually a sign of verbal intelligence. Um, yeah, it was very interesting. <laughs> but That's I saw really that interesting. I did notice a lot of them happen to be, and I'm not saying that Jews swear more, but maybe maybe we do. I certainly would look into that. Um, but uh, they were posting it like, look, you know, it's like one of those things that was going around. You know. So can, um, I, go ahead. can I throw something in, Amadeus, just as a reminder? Yeah, of course. Just just a reminder, keep track of time. We have about nine more minutes, and I know that you did want to throw in something about astrology. So just a reminder of of that as we're coming towards the end. Absolutely, I do. And I'm going to throw in one quick thing right before that, and then the story. Yeah. So we, you were talking about when it entered the dictionary. Well, one of the interesting things that I uh, did research and find out and was not surprised was that um, it was a... A Scottish uh, fellow who first printed it, and it was a poet, of course, because it's Scotland. Um, yes. named Dunbar, Dunbar, and and um, and you know, Scots are known for Scottish people are known for their uh, very um, well versed ability to swear. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and I found it interesting because you know they also were the first you know to do the first en- encyclopedia, you know, and exceedingly literate people, and they were the first. To ban it too, so I, I, a whole show could be done on, on the Scottish people and uh, certainly uh, the the dirty words. But it's a very interesting thing uh, about um, when it was first put in the print it was so long ago, and that it didn't get into the dictionary. That's shocking, you know, because that was in the 1500s into until 1971. Um, okay. So, in terms of astrology, in our last moments here, I thought it would be just kind of funny and interesting like oh who swears the most you know oh that's great Amadeus I love it that's so fun okay (laughs) and how and how do they swear I went online to see what I honestly for fun what other people thought you know of the different signs and nobody agrees about anything except for one thing that Betty says that Aries says and represents the word dick (laughs) that's the only thing we say that again about you got a little Aries Aries uh, represents and um, would say the word dick the most of the astrological signs. Oh, that's, that's funny. The only, that's the only consensus, and I would say that's probably partly because Aries is first, it's direct, and the sign, you know, points out like our symbol for male. But going through the signs... Um, Can I say something about that really fast? Yes. I think that's interesting because I'm I'm Aries rising, and my Mars is in Aries. I don't use the word Mm -hmm. dick, but I use the word fuck a lot. So right. maybe I should start Where's using your Mercury. Mercury is in Gemini. In Gemini. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. So I decided okay. to go through Mercury because you know our sun signs tell us, but how do we speak, right? Yeah. So you, so you might have an Aries, but they don't swear a lot. So uh, Mercury and Aries. All right, this is a person who might swear when angry or impulsive. You know, fuck yeah, you can do it. Like encouraging, right? 
or that fucking asshole, you know, if they're pissed off about somebody in traffic. They blow through it and they do it, but it's not that they're attached to it. You know what I mean? It's not, yes. and it's not a real. There's no premeditated thing on it. But you know, they, the Mercury in Aries, you know, um, is an impulsive fire, fast sign. You know, their mind goes fast, and so I'd say that they do a, a do an encouraging fuck yeah. You know, fuck yeah, okay. you hang glide. You know, and a fuck you, you asshole. You know, blah blah blah, and then it's over. Mercury and Taurus, I would I would peg for a little bit less of a spur, okay? I mean they're not they don't get to anger as fast. Um, but when they do, when their wall when their walls <laughs> go up because their wall is actually up all the time in the sense that they, you know, stick to their they are stubborn, you know, they grind in yeah. their heels, you know. The dirt yes. if they feel, you know, the army coming up to their, you know, homestead and they dig in, they might be like fucking no, no, I'm not doing this bullshit. But, you know, it would be sort yeah. of like that, putting it on the wall, you know? <laughs> Got right. it. Mercury, Mercury and Gemini is the chatty sign. That's what you are? You said you're murder in this thing, Gemini? That's correct. Okay, so, you know, swearing's part of the dialogue. Gossip, she's acting bitchy, you know, it's right. That ass is up to something, you know, he fucking left her. Not much of a name call, it's just sort of in common conversing. That's, it's not an aggressive That's totally thing. right. I don't name call, but no. it is part of conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and if you're around, people are doing it, and you're doing it, it's fun, and, you know, you're just throwing around right on the air, having fun with the words. Mercury and cancer, I'd say, is not the like, least likely to swear. But if they're needing that crab out moment and they need to rescind and go into their shell, nothing's working, you know, they might just get to the part where they're just like, get the fuck away from me, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alien, alienating someone so that they can go get their space. Or I don't trust that ass, you know, but more likely get the fuck away from me. But not the first to go to it. More if they have to put up a boundary. Mercury and Leo might swear just to proclaim kingliness. Come one and all in here, my poor. I am the fucking king. I am the fucking light. I will provide a fucking amazing kingdom to you all if you all adore me. But if you fuck with me or make me feel like a dick, I'll fuck you up. You know? That makes <laughs> so, me laugh. Yes. Dramatic. A dramatic uh, display. Mercury and Virgo, again, not as much the, you know, likely to be the, the swear of the Zodiac. I mean, they're, they're into precision. I don't really see them as precisely putting in a swear word, you know, premeditating it, like into their assessments. But into dry humor, you know, Mercury and Virgo is one of the funniest times that it's dry humor. And they might throw a shit in there in an unexpected moment. Or if they're completely bugged out, their nervous system, shit, you know, something goes wrong. <laughs> something okay. Right? Mercury and Libra. I'll swear if you do. I'll swear if it brings us equality. I'll swear. <laughs> I'll swear if it brings us connected, connection. Or, hey, you called me a shit during that argument. Huh. I'm mad at you, too. I'm going to call you an ass because it's only fair if you swear to me that I'm going to swear at you. And right? that's who, Mercury and what? <laughs> that's not me. That's Mercury and Libra. That's what I wonder. Mercury and Libra. Okay, yes. Yep. Okay. Mercury and Scorpio. That's me. We might love the word fuck the most. We are actually associated, you know, with sexual innuendos, double entendres, the dark, murky waters of things. Um, and if you cross the line, if you've really gone to the end of the line with us, we might have say if the fucking buck stops here, I will skewer you, you asshole, if you ever do that again. But it takes a okay. long time for you to go there. A long, long time. Mostly Scorpio, you know, innuendos with the word fuck. Okay? <laughs> Mercury and Capricorn. Again, not the biggest swears of the Zodiac. They're serious folks, you know, systemizing the universe, running companies, working with tangibles. Yeah. Just push this. If the system is failing and they haven't been releasing their emotions, which they won't be generally, I mean, unless their sign has a lot of other stuff, I mean, their chart, they might have almost like a hissy fit intention swearing about the failed system. I can't get this going. The whole fucking company expects me to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay. Mercury, Mercury and Aquarius will swear just to rebel. In fact, they may be the best, you know, Scorpio loves the word fuck in some of the words if they're sexual innuendos, but Mercury and Aquarius yeah. will do it just when it's inappropriate, just to assert independence. They might be the fondest claimer of cussing but for the effect. If somebody gave them no effect and it did not create change or show reform or so that they're sticking out in the crowd when they want to by being an iconoclast, the words would be useless. So, so the social mores play big into their uh, embracing. Pisces, kind of one of the most confusing in this conversation. Okay, how so? Not 
Well, because they're sort of out in the ether, they're dreamy, they're poetic, you know, their their mind is sort of, you know, fusing with the oneness of the universe, you know, mutable sign. So, you know, they are most likely to swear in a poem, in a love poem, or again, if a whole bunch of tension comes, you know, because they're taking on everybody's uh, problems, but they didn't realize it, and their mind feels completely overwhelmed. They might go, I'm so fucking overwhelmed. I'm so fucking, I can't see what's going on. I'm tired, you know, that kind of thing. Complainy swearing and they... Okay. Oh my gosh, Amadeus, this is fantastic. This is fucking fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Holy shit. Right. Fuck yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel? I feel good. I feel fucking great. I love fuck. I know you've so had happy. a busy day. I think your energy okay. shifted. You feel more settled and grounded and open and like ready for the rest of your day. I do. That's the power of the word fuck. I didn't even get to go into, you know, the uh, uh, linguistics of it, you know, the sound of it, you know, um, you know, the end of it with that hard consonant. The plosive makes it so pleasing, you know? It does. It does feel pleasing. And do we have well, a few more minutes? We have yeah. like another minute. What's your last thought? Okay, so last? That, that's sort of my last thought. I just want to say that as, as a writer, as a poet, as a songwriter, a word lover, that fuck is such a, forget all the other ones we talked about. Fuck is the most satisfying word because the closeness of it is just delightful. It, it, it comes off your tongue and out of your mouth of this beautiful, just, you know, it's a full-on stop. It's a full-on go. It's just this beautiful uh, word just because of the way it sounds. You know, it's a satisfying, needy word. <laughs> it is. So and for our listeners to-, to end, for our listeners to know, you all can book sessions with Amadeus through her website, which is com, And it's spelled A-M-A-D-A-E-S. Amadeus, thank you for being my guest. And I look forward to plotting our next topic for the next time you're on. Me too. Thank you for being so open. I love it. You're so (laughs) welcome. I loved it too. Thank you and have a fantastic day. You too. Okay. Thank you. Bye. That concludes our show for today. Please tune in next Thursday and I will bring you another episode of All Things Therapy. Bye-bye. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.